Hello and welcome to Analyze This. I am your host, Hannah Hart. I'm Hannah Gelb. And today we are going to be talking about culture, but not culture in the sense of growing a culture in a Petri dish to try and figure out how we're not going to die of this terrible pandemic. Culture as in how to make your environment a better place, which is why we're going to be speaking with Marta Riggins, the Director of Employee Engagement for Instacart. Enjoy. Once again, this podcast is exactly what I need somehow. I know. And I didn't even realize it until I walked in the door. <laughs> Hello, Marta. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. And culture, not just for yogurt anymore. Oh. <laughs> no, it's everywhere. That was really good. <laughs> Thanks. It's like I the, love puns yeah. so much. Oh, my, <laughs> oh my gosh. Culture. You come to the right place. <laughs> not just for yogurt. I, I mean, that was really great. I mean, that's a pun on so many levels because A, culture, B, food, you know, mm-hmm. and you're mm-hmm. you're over at Instacart. Um, Hannah, how do you feel about culture in the work environment? Oh, my goodness. Where do I begin? I have so many thoughts and feelings. Well, uh, I guess there should be one, mm. right? Mm. I... I think that's, if it's a good culture, yes, absolutely. Yeah. If, if it's a bad culture, maybe no, or maybe mm. leave that company. Mm-hmm. So, Marta, for the, our listeners, can you give us the kind of um, a brief explanation on what exactly your job is? Because I actually did not know that was a job title until today, which is very cool. It's totally fair, <laughs> and I would say it's probably been a rise in titles in the past maybe ten years. And I was just telling Hannah that if you did a LinkedIn search right now, you would see a lot of roles open for this type oh. of work. So my job essentially entails, I'm in charge of how do we market our company, bring great talent here, attract great diverse talent, and also how do I work with various teams across HR, workplace, IT, leadership to help make our employees feel engaged and do their best work. And then on the side, I do social impact. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Just a few things. So how did you start off doing this kind of work? I mean, it sounds like your work is literally to infuse lifeblood into a work environment. And also be managing a lot of people. And that's so hard. <laughs> I mean, leading leading people and, and reading them and helping them be the best selves. And that it's, is a a, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's skill so set. much. I hope my boss is listening to this. <laughs> um, it's just so much. No, it's, it's a really enjoyable work. And honestly, um, it's work that just fuels me every day to get out of bed. I love doing it. And how I fell into it completely accidentally. I was working for Pandora Music not Ooh. the jewelry. Mm. Very important <laughs> distinction to make. I cannot answer questions about your jewelry. Sorry, people. Mm-hmm. Buy those bracelets. Mm-hmm. Um, I was doing a job and I actually led an event team for Pandora and I had a baby and I was gone all the time and I was exhausted and actually very miserable. And I had a very sexy job on paper doing live events, but it was not my dream job. Mm. And I got approached by HR at the time who said, we need to market Pandora as a really great place to work. No one knows about us beyond the fact that it's a music service or that we're headquartered in Oakland. Mm -hmm. And so I- I did not know. Yes. I mean, I knew it was a music service. Yeah. (laughs) I've honestly never thought about people judging companies by whether or not they were a great place to work. I was also thinking, because I just assume employees- employers always have the upper hand. Like, if you're like, we're a great place to work, like, I need money. Let me tell you something empowering. Not right now. It's a candidate market right now. And so it is a, it is a war on the streets for talent, for good talent, especially if you're in a technical field. Like, I sh- I'm just, my brain doesn't work that way. But if you are in any technical field, you are top talent to be recruited. Okay, so you I'm have the power home. now, everybody. You have, you've got the power. So wait, wait. I'm going to s- go learn coding right now. Are you saying that right now 
in the employee employer environment, it's a buyer's market. Correct. So, so employees have better odds of getting jobs. Correct. Wow. Especially if you have a technical skill set. Wow. Because everyone banks to anyone is needs to bring their business online and do coding. And that's not my there's more technical talk wow. I can't speak to because I'm not technical. Is but. it because there's just so there's it sounds like there are more places to work than there are people to work there. That just it's a skilled labor. That well, good God. Now I feel like we're gonna go into some economics factor and someone okay. wearing no, no, a suit's gonna good. be like, she is very wrong. But I, I think nobody who wears a suit listens to our podcast. Great. <laughs> I'm wearing a suit right now. It's a denim suit, it's a Canadian tuxedo. It is, yes. <laughs> um I think there are a lot of, basically there is a lot of companies who are trying to fill needs for talent and and they can't hold on to their talent fast enough because people aren't engaged and they're leaving to go to other jobs. Okay. Essentially what that means. And so employees are actually moving a lot. So a lot of, com- lot of people have their top choice of where they want to go. In order to attract people, you have to market your place as a great place to work. What you do, do you have purpose? Do people enjoy it here? Are you a diverse place to work? And so that's one side of my job and what Pandora originally hired me to do. And while I was doing that work, I realized that no one was really investing in culture and people who had these fun traditions were leaving and the traditions were leaving with them. So I made a case for culture to our CEO and I used this old Sally Struthers model, like for the cost of a cup of coffee a day, I literally said this, you can have engaged employees and we were going to save money on not losing people with attrition, which costs millions of dollars. So that's how I fell into this. And now To answer your question, yes, this is a thing that people care about when they're looking for jobs. Wow. So employers want to keep their employees? (laughs) I know it sounds like a crazy idea, but they do. been getting my info in the wrong yeah uh, i thought we were all lucky i feel just to very even... expendable yeah. i feel like someone's if i'm like this is not good someone will be like okay cool move along because well, like 20 it depends, people are ready for this it depends on your industry i worked so i lived in la for a long time i worked in entertainment and this is actually a lot of what inspired my work because i was working in environments where it was like there's always someone younger hungrier than you and i was just like this is fucked up this is <laughs> bullshit i'm done And I think now there's a shift, especially in tech and lots of other companies and major markets where they're realizing that doesn't fly anymore. Mm. The sexiness of some culture or a brand will only go so far. And you need to invest in things like growing and learning and development, inclusion and diversity. And- and like good culture and mm-hmm. people management or people mm-hmm. will leave. And there's lots of data. Yeah. To so word that. word has gotten out about toxic work environments. Correct. So wait, 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 wait. Word has gotten out to the owners mm-hmm. that people are starting to catch on about toxic work environments. But right now, the work we're doing here on Analyze This is spreading the word that you have a right to talk to your employer about your toxic work environment. Well, and really, you know um- – your your company should want to keep you, right? There's a I don't know if you both ever read Stephen Covey's was it Seven Habits of Highly Effective People? I definitely have held a copy. I've looked at it. Great. Uh, it usually has like a twenty percent off sticker. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of like this is the book to read about business, and yeah. I've been listening to it on YouTube because I'm lazy. And um, there's <laughs> a really effective. Thank you, <laughs> effective. And there's a really great quote that he has, which is that. Companies can buy the hands, but they can't buy the heart. And I really, oh, heart, your hand of heart. That's why I was so moved. Sorry, made that connection. Um, the thing when you have the heart is you have to earn trust with your employees, and it means you're getting all of their energy, all of their creativity, all the authenticness of them into their work, and that's what makes your work great. 
So that's the other motivation, right? Employers want to get all of those great things to be innovative and launch interesting products. You don't have that if you don't have engaged employees because you're constantly bleeding people and spending money on turnover. Wow. Okay. This is exciting. I feel like we are on the cusp of learning that if you hate your job and it's a toxic work environment, seems like there might be other better jobs and companies out there. Speaking of companies, guys, let's talk to one of our favorite companies, whoever the next sponsor is. Be right back. I don't think we have enough time to have the 45-hour-long discussion I want to have. Um, Okay, I have a hard time asking people who are close to me for things I need. So what advice do you have for people to approach people they work with and seemingly uh, hate them? Due to your whatever your upbringing, you are constantly struck. It's like you're already like mm-hmm. they've already rejected you. Yeah. You're just like asking but waiting for the rejection. Mm-hmm. Like what how, how, how? um and then could you give me a brief hum- summary of what Hannah's question was? I know. <laughs> I was like are we talking about like negotiating? Are we talking about like, give me an example. Oh, okay. I, let's do an example. You know what oh, actually this God. is really your pushes in business. I'm curious. Tell me more about that. I like a week or two ago, my friend, my good friend was like, Hannah, I think you should just tell your boss you're like really unhappy and just tell her that. Yeah. And so I've been like thinking about that. Wait, so let's workshop. But I feel like I can't say that because she's not my therapist. If I'm like, well, I don't like the job and I don't like the work and I don't like anything about it. Well, she'd be like, well, we have many, many resources at this workplace for you. And I'll be like, okay. Well, do you feel that you're that you're valued at that company? Do you feel that they value the work that you do? Ooh, yeah. Let's do a quick employee assessment. <laughs> yeah, there needs to be like a little like do 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 like yeah. game yeah. shop. Like. All right, earbuds. If you are listening right now, uh, March is going to ask a series of questions, and you can evaluate for yourself whether or not you feel like, well, am I even happy at my job? <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> I'll answer too. Oh yeah. So do you feel do you feel Hannah, do you feel that you are valued at that company? Do you feel that they value your performance and what you bring every day? Well, Marta, mm. you know what's funny is I think for the most part, yes. Great. But I feel like I don't value the work I do. Okay. Oh, we're not at that question yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's okay. No, this is great. So if you feel that you have that you bring value, it's not absurd to bring that up to your boss if you feel psychologically safe with your boss. If you have a level of trust, because really your manager is there to help you perform at your best and feel engaged. That's truly what a manager's function is to do. So if you feel that you have a culture of open feedback and you can have those conversations, you could approach it to say, I'm just really not feeling excited or passionate and I want to help Mm -hmm. me get there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that is their job to do so. That is their job to work with you. I have actually told a boss myself in a previous job, warning signs coming in six months and hey, I'm really overwhelmed. If this keeps up, I can't keep up with this pace. I'm letting you know because we had a really great rapport. I love this job, but I can't keep doing this. Help me fix it. You know, he never did. And I had to go to him and say, hey, I'm telling you right now, if I don't get this by September, I'm going to have to leave. And I think a lot of people would be really scared to do that, but it's actually really empowering. And then when I did go to leave, you know, they weren't surprised. They were like, I understand. And I'm sorry, we never got to fully figure this out for you. So it made your transition and the exit even easier because there had already been the groundwork laid that, hey, I value my happiness. I'm not finding happiness here. Can we work together to improve that? No? Okay. Well, for mutual reasons we both understand, I'm going to now exit this job. Yeah. And we are still friends and have dinner. Oh, 
Wow. Wait, are there like five questions that you could ask that are like yes or no questions to I, see if somebody's happy? Sure, I think, oh God, is this like, like a cosmopolitan <laughs> quiz? Yeah, right. Um, oh gosh. I mean, it's like, are you looking for a job every day? Okay, that's a good one. You know, do you do you find yourself not putting your full uh, effort into work? Cool. Are you unhappy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you enjoy your coworkers? Mm. Do you feel that your manager genuinely cares about you? Do you feel like you're learning and growing or you've learned something in the past 30 days? These are actual questions that like Gallup, the, you know, the group that does the studies actually will use to measure engagement. So there are. Wow. But they what? use it as em- employees. So they'll, they'll survey them to say, how are you feeling about these things? And due to that data, you are not alone in how you feel. 67% of the American workforce right now is disengaged. And over 60, it's either 51 or 60%. I forget which one it is say that they feel they can find a job just as good, if not better, than the one that they have right now. So the reason why employers should care is because it's open season, people are disengaged, they don't feel purpose, and you know, they should they can feel like they can find something else. Wow. You are flipping the switch because you know what happens when you feel disengaged from your work? You feel disempowered to change it. Because if you're not even engaged with your work, what is going to motivate you to want to go to the boss and be like, you know, structurally, I think some small changes could really help. And in my case, I feel this like huge amount of guilt and like, why can't I be a person who finds the solution to this? And like, it just gets really busy and they're like, you know. And- but see, you're actually an engaged person because you care. A disengaged person says, I'm over it. I'm done. An engaged person says, this is not great and I want to make it better. How can I make it better? That's probably pretty key. So how do you know if you're disengaged with your work or you're so like beaten down by your work environment that you're disengaged with your work? Ooh, I don't know that I could answer that question. <laughs> no, I guess, no, I get, it's a great question. You hear what I'm saying? Like, it, totally do. It's like um, a philosophical conundrum because you don't know which direction to go. Yeah. Is, it, is it that the work environment has made you now hate work? That's a great question. I, I guess if I'm going to bifurcate that and just like go a few levels down in the matrix of, of the question, I think there's sort of the environment is, can I be my authentic self? Do I feel like I belong? And we can talk about some ways how you can feel like you belong. Um, Do I feel like my manager genuinely cares about me as a person, which is a great question to ask. And you should make sure that your employee survey, if you do one, is it actually measuring that? I mean, just the thought that the manager should care. They, yes, because there is, is mind blowing. Because there's data that right. shows that one of the number one things that keeps people in, involved and excited is if your manager cares about you as a person and you can connect outside of just not outside of work, but of things outside of work topics. Mm. And then as far as if your work is feeling disengaged, that's really around purpose. And there's questions that we ask in our employee survey that's like, you know, are you do you feel excited about the future of the company? Do you connect with the mission and purpose of the company? So I think there's a different element to say, do I feel purpose in my work every day to like, do I like the environment I'm coming in? Do I feel like I can be myself when I'm supported? Mm. Did that actually answer it? No, it it pointed out the key differences. Okay. Yeah. I feel like it did kind of add some nuance to it. Okay. You know? And once again, just hearing that all of these things are possible is so- Anything can happen. Illuminating. Yes. (laughs) Do you often encounter this kind, this level of like shock and surprise? Like- No. I think you've been in San Francisco too long. You know what? It's because it's because I'm in like a I maybe it's because I'm in like corporate America where we're talking these conversations. But you know what? Actually, that's not true. I think that people sometimes forget. And at the end of the day, everyone wants to succeed in what they're doing. Whether you're an employee or you are an employer, everyone wants people to succeed. We're all here for that reason. We just have to tap into that a little bit more and remind ourselves. So, what are some ways? If someone has observed that their uh, corporate culture is not meeting their needs, 
What are some ways an employee, a person who's maybe not in charge of making the decisions, what are some ways and some suggestions they could give to maybe improve that? Yeah, great question. I mean, I think it depends on what you already have set up and what is lacking. Some areas that might be great is if if you don't have a formal learning and development department with some departments that exist to help employees grow and learn, you can say, hey, I want to go to this conference or can we have a stipend for conferences to go get inspiration or learn? Those are little small things. You know, those only cost a couple hundred dollars, right? Um, And that's a big investment that a company could make in you that might keep you there. Another could be driving inclusion, you know, creating an employee resource group, um, employee resource groups for those that don't know. Those are existing to help support traditionally underrepresented communities or traditionally marginalized communities in companies. So at Instacart, we have five. We have Women At for women, Parents At for parents, Nightshades for our Black employees, uh, Cezanne for our Latinx employees, and Rainbow Carrots, which you came and spoke as part of Rainbow Carrots. What's up? I did not know that you get to have delightful, cute names for your group. Well, like you that. do if you are at Instacart. <laughs> <laughs> and I've learned that Cezanne is the most common used spice across Latin cooking, and that's why they chose that name. Oh, Pretty cool. Wow. Okay. So ERG groups cost nothing. You can just say, hey, um, I identify this way. Like, you know, me as a cis woman, I can be like, I want to make sure that women are being promoted and retaining here, and I want to get a women's group together and have community here. That costs nothing. Your company's not going to say, I don't like that idea, mm. <laughs> especially in 2020. Mm-hmm. No one is going to say that to you. So you can create ERGs. You can build from there where the ERGs are working to help recruit new people. And you can be like, hey, other women candidates, there's other women candidates that work here too, or name identity group. So like, what about for, like Hannah works at a university mm-hmm. of My brother state. does too. Oh. Oh, I won't say which one, you know, because I don't know how close We won't say which one either, but <laughs> like, I, mean, it's not that much I bet you have similar struggles. I bet I've, I bet I've learned of some of these similar struggles. Go well, on. What, well, okay. what do you guys have in that realm? This is partially why I also, I'm like, oh, this is all my fault because there is a pretty extensive career connection, career development department and they have workshops and you can like get a mentor and I feel like I have done a few of those things, but I still just feel like I don't know what I want. So I think that's why I struggle with like going to my boss because I'm like, my boss can't tell me what I want, but it's like, I just feel like really stuck. Yeah. Well, and also know- it'll be like, go to this workshop, which finds your transferable skills. And that's right. like three weeks away. And, and you're like, like trans- I am dying right now. And also like transferable skills for what? Right. For, if you're not sure. For what? I think you can also just try to, maybe there's just even seeking out mentorship within your own company. If there's mm-hmm. people that you think maybe feel really like, hey, that person has it together. Or I like this person's aspect of their job. I want to learn more about it. Mm. No one is going to turn you down if you say, hey, I really respect what you do and I'd love to learn from you. No one's going to be like, fuck off. You know what I mean? Like yeah. people are very honored to be right. asked that. And so I think you could even seek out things mm-hmm. like that for mentorship. That's a great idea. Yeah. Like if you are unhappy, but you'd like your environment and then that, that I think is a great way of approaching it. It's like, well, I'm unhappy, but I like where we work. I just don't like what I do where I work. And then yes. it's like, well, put your eyes on somebody who does something you like and approach them. Yes, absolutely. And one of my former bosses gave me the best advice, which was get your own personal board of directors. So you can, maybe there's someone who's a really good manager. Maybe there's someone who has a field you want to go into. Maybe there's someone who has a great hobby on the side or balances being a working parent. You can find people with different skill sets to advise you and create your own personal board of directors. Mm. Help you figure out what you want to do. Wow. So it sounds like trust and bravery and vulnerability are required. is key. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm so emotional. So you were saying if you feel psychologically safe 
you can approach your boss to ask these kinds of questions. If you don't feel that way, how do you begin to build feeling safe with the people you work with? Is or it, what how can can you, oh, can is, you are there any signs that are like, oh no, 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 not this that is not a, it's a safe environment. Definitely. I mean, it's a great question. You know, Google, who is very googly and has lots of Google credit, they did a study a couple years ago of the most highly effective teams, and they found that the, the one factor was trust. And so really psychological safety is building trust. And how do you build trust? By establishing relationships and getting to know people, mm. being able to have conversations being vulnerable, like going to your boss and saying, I really like it here. I don't feel as excited about work. Help me get there. Those kind of things. Having feedback review. Do you do performance reviews? We do once a year. Great. I mean, maybe even saying, can we meet more often to mm-hmm. talk? Can we yeah, do that? that? Once a year seems like not a lot. Yeah. Well, and I actually I should be like once a I quarter. I meet with my boss twice once a, a week. And every time I go in, I feel like this huge fraud and like at any moment, so, she's going to discover the truth, you know? Well, you know what? I feel like you got to get over that imposter syndrome because you're rad. And it sounds like oh, she thinks you. you're rad. <laughs> and so, you know, a way to do that is, hey, every week, could we build in a question around feedback? Is there a piece of feedback you could give me to do something better? Mm-hmm, and then hopefully mm-hmm. your boss says, hey, same thing. Can you give me some feedback? Mm-hmm. Those are ways you can start to build trust. Or if you say, hey, I want to give you some feedback. I really love the way you approach X or on the inverse. Are you open to receiving some feedback? So psychological safety is things like getting to know your manager, getting to know your your peers, your other employees, relationship building, having feedback, going through performance review sessions. And if you're only doing it one time a year, saying, you know, can we do it more often? Even building, can you give me some feedback into your weekly meetings? And then hopefully your boss is having you give feedback as well. Feedback is such a big, important. People say feedback is a gift, but it really is because if you're open to receiving feedback, you're able to change things. So um, giving and receiving feedback is super important. But what if they're bad at giving and receiving feedback? (laughs) That is a great question. And not everyone is good at it, right? And so if you you might hit a wall, depending on how equipped your manager is, hopefully your manager is open to it. But I, I like to say we have a rule on my team, which is you can go to someone if you witness something real time because there's nothing worse than getting a laundry list of here's how you fucked up at one time a year. That's the worst. That does not build psychological right. safety right. at all. And then you're like, thank you for not telling me at the time. Yes. So actually, we have a rule on our team, and I've, I've had this on a few teams where you can say to someone, hey, I noticed something. Are you open to receiving some feedback? They can say, absolutely. Because sometimes they may not be aware. In real time. In real time. Wow. Sometimes passions are high and you're not going to be open to that feedback. Mm -hmm. So they have the option to say, yes, but not right now. And then you follow up within a day or two. And just having that conversation and creating an environment where you can talk about good things and bad things is a really key part of creating psychological Mm -hmm, safety. mm -hmm. And a basic feedback structure is like… I think you could say, here are some things that I'm proud of or things I thought I crushed. Here are some things. Here are some areas of opportunity. Here are some development areas I'd like to work on. How can you help me get there? Uh, will you be writing a book? <laughs> you sound like my husband. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, okay. Well, maybe a pamphlet. I, just, I, I, I would read it. Well, I think that you and I can work on like five things that you could do like, okay. by the end of this. Let, let's okay. work on it together. We're going to make an action development plan for you. <gasps> yes. And I think you can take it to your boss on Monday or whatever your one-on-one oh is God. and you can approach it. And I, I'd love to hear if it makes a difference. <gasps> Absolutely. And I'm sure all the earbuds would love to know. Yeah. Because they know <laughs> I complain about my job a lot. She complains uh, a lot. I do. And we're going to take a break from that <laughs> and we'll be right back right after this. 
Marta, I know you've never met Hannah Gelb before, but I don't know if you know what you're doing. <laughs> I don't know, but you know, I feel a connection to you, and I don't know if it's just our like Jewy love of canters, but I, I feel a strong connection. Hannah. I mean, as soon as you said the word nosh, I was like, we're there. Yeah. We were at Mount Sinai together. <laughs> Many, many years ago. <laughs> we were. We just, my middle name is um, Rebecca. We'll talk about it later. With two oh K's and an H. And an H, right? <gasps> yeah. Oh, yeah. Rebecca. Oh, yes. As the Lord, as, as God intended. As God intended. Well, okay. I, I feel like your team is only as strong as the weakest link, sort of. Oh, I thought you were going to say you your leader. at me? Oh, my God. No. <laughs> no. That was just the weakest link. Are like, you open to receiving some feedback? There's the, there's yeah. the point. You know, um, uh, I feel like it's highly productive when you don't point at me. No, I'm kidding. Oh, my gosh. I guess I just feel like people are so complex and relationships are so complex and they need a lot of, not maybe not a lot, but they need constant maintenance. Yes. Constant checking in. Yes. So if you have like a few people who just are very hostile or just not on board with the the whole supportive team and leadership, what, how do you approach those situations? Ooh, great question. Okay. I'm going off my own editorial here. I guess things I've learned, this is, I'm now speaking as Marta Riggins, the, the people manager. Here. Okay. Got it. There's an amazing book by a man named Chris Voss, who my husband turned me on to. I'm getting, I swear I have a point that's I just give me give you some context. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're, you've barely started. Okay. Well, his name is Chris Voss. He's an ex FBI hostage negotiator. And he has a book called Never Split the Difference, Negotiating as if Your Life Depends on It. And it is an amazing book. And he says the most dangerous negotiation is the one you don't know you're in. Wow. Yeah. Wild, right? We're we're writing that down right now. Yes. Um, That is wild because negotiating as if your life depends on it, what that provides is A, the safety and the strength in the moment to take the entire experience of your unhealthy work environment and bring it to a this far, no further, Mm -hmm. right? Right. It is as if your life depends on it because your life may not be in jeopardy at that moment, but the color of your life, the history of your life, the story of your life has been in jeopardy for a while. Right. Yeah. And there's so much negotiation that happens every day at work, every day in our lives, right? And so his book, he has a whole sort of pamphlet and PDF of ways that he's actually, he was a um, hostage negotiator that he had to do over the phone. So he had to earn the trust and safety of people who were not rational over the phone in limited times and people's lives were at stake. And he shares his tips for how psychologically he learned to break down hostile situations to get an outcome and compromise. It is an incredible book. I think he has a masterclass out and he did a talk at LinkedIn Talent Connective. I think it's free and anyone can watch it. Mm -hmm. And so some of the things that I have learned from him, and you can Google this, like the book name and PDF, and you can find the cheat sheet. He talks about getting to a place of no instead of a yes. So things like if you had a boss or a coworker who was being really rude to me, is it a crazy idea that we could work together in a collaborative way? No. No. <laughs> and, and every and the issue is everyone's trying to get to a yes, which is like, is it really that hard to work together? Yes, right? But if you say oh. no, it's easier to say no. Oh. You know, is it, you know, is it a bad idea that we should try to work together on something or we should get along? No. Any rational person is going to say no. And also, he also talks about laying on the other side thick. So you believe that I'm not putting the extra effort. That's what you believe. You acknowledge their opinion. You don't have to agree to it. You acknowledge it. I understand that. Let's figure out how we can work together. So there's lots of good tips when you have someone who's not, like you're saying, on board where you can approach it in just a different way. And I've used his tactics and they are phenomenal. So I use these tactics all the time. 
Wow. <gasps> That's from Marcia Riggins, the person. Oh, not, my yeah, goodness. No. Yes. Well, I mean, I think Instacart is very lucky to have you. And if anybody's yes. curious, what is it? Instacart.com slash jobs. Slash careers. <laughs> Hey, yeah, that already shows a little more corporate care, doesn't it? There's yes. lots of food puns all over our career site, which Colleen, who you met, built. Oh. Um, so shout out to Colleen, who's rad, oh and my God. Uh, lots of beautiful things about our ERGs and joining our table. Ooh, wow, here's a little story for you. Oh, yeah. hit one. me with it. One time I was at work, part of my job is ordering supplies, and I uh, had a big box and I drew a little face on it and I put it over my head, and then I walked around the hallway making people laugh. And then I was told that that was an unprofessional thing to do. Where can I go where that is considered not unprofessional? Well, you know, I guess I guess it's just a difference of viewpoint, right? Like I literally ordered 7,000 googly eyes off of Alibaba. And when my boss was on maternity leave, I went around putting googly eyes on everyone's inanimate objects. And I'm still here. Oh. Oh my gosh. And googly eyes. Wonderful. I mean, that's pretty great. Right? My phone has giant googly eyes. Like, who doesn't love that? I used to have them on the fridge, but I took them down because it was a lot. <laughs> I mean, was it unprofessional? Yeah. It's pretty, wow. Googly eyes are You know art. what? You know what art. you say in that moment? Tell me more about that. Oh my goodness. See, I didn't even know I had that option. Tell, tell, thank you for the feedback. Thank you so much for the feedback. Tell me more about that. I'd love to, I would love to hear more about how you view professionalism. Oh my Wow. Whoa. Okay. Because it's about rapport and understanding, mm-hmm. right? And then you can get to a place of, you know, my intention was just to bring some levity to the office. I under you it sounds like you believe, Chris Boss, it sounds like you believe that that's unprofessional. Let's I'd love to learn more about that. What mm-hmm. are ways we can add levity in a professional manner? Right. Like and since you are the uh <clears throat> it's your job. This is literally your job, the person I'm talking to right now in my head. Can you maybe organize a way for us to have fun together? Exactly. And there, oh my God, what a great, what a great teaching moment, Hannah. So then you say, Hey, I was doing that because I feel like we need some levity. Maybe we could organize together and I can help you plan some sort of social outing or gathering in the office. And then you're creating engagement. Right. Because we don't do, my office only has scary, sad meetings. We don't do anything if it's like a birthday or something in the past. Just having a little bit of fun together makes me feel so much more motivated and so much more connected to everybody else. Exactly. And like, you are working hard. I'm going to work hard because you're here. You're buying the heart like we talked about. Or the other thing my old boss used to say that I love is psychic income. Whoa. Corporate bus bingo. I love psychic income. Because that is that is truly what you're creating. You're creating people that feel connected. You're feeling purpose to your coworkers. And again, you're more likely to stay. Okay. Well, <laughs> let, me, let me play the other side here. <laughs> As a business owner. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Let's talk employer to employer. Oh, yes. I mean, I'm an employer and I say, no way. But how could somebody (laughs) make the case that the company investing in cultural programming and initiatives that promotes diversity, inclusion, and belonging, how could somebody convince their boss that this is worth doing? But like in a brass tax way. I love it. I love it. Well. Oh, there's numbers. I'm sure. Yes. I mean, this is something that I have done now. For two companies. And I think there's some small ways like sharing the stats that for every employee you lose, on average, the company is losing Hannah. You're losing anywhere between 30 to 100% of their salary the longer that role goes unfilled if they leave. That's going to be out of pocket for you. Wait a minute. You're right. So (laughs) if my employee who I pay a salary of quits, I'm still losing money. Because it's the longer you don't have that job filled, 
and you can't find the right skill set, or if it's a really niche skill set, that's going to cost you more money the longer that role goes unfilled because you're losing productivity. Well, how long does it really take to hire somebody? Anywhere between six months to a year and a half plus. And then you have to train them. And then you have to train them and onboard them and re-engage them and get them ramped up. That's mm-hmm. corporate speak. So that actually costs you money. Also, one of the ways in which I made a case for Pandora to invest in this was I broke it down and said, it's literally the cost of a cup of coffee. For the cost of a cup of coffee a day, Sally Struthers style, you can have engaged employees. It doesn't cost a lot of money. You actually, a lot of things you could do don't cost money at all. Creating or celebrating cultural heritage months, going and volunteering together, which I know you care about, that literally costs nothing. And the psychic income benefits of that are exponential. But- as the employer, what if I don't want to spend time with my employees? Can they still <laughs> spend time with each other? <laughs> they absolutely can. If you don't have to be involved in every social aspect of it, but maybe you figure out there's one or two things that are most meaningful to my employees that would mean a lot if I showed up, and you figure out what those one to two are a year. We call that mm. an executive engagement plan. Mm. Wow, there's so many terms. So many terms. I feel like I need like a dictionary. A dictionary. Like, yeah. This will be part of the pamphlet. This, yeah, this, will, this will be in the glossary pamphlet. Glossary of this terms. Be a full-on glossary of terms. So just to be clear, you're saying that a company can actually save themselves money by increasing morale, increasing productivity, increasing the happiness of their employees as opposed to just letting them go and waiting for somebody else to come back and fill the job. Yes. Not only can you increase uh, you know, the revenue and what you're doing, you can also increase productivity by doing this and you have better work and more innovative work because engaged employees, again, buying the heart, they are putting their best work in and your product, whatever you're making or selling and doing is going to be better. Wow. Hannah, and you know, as honestly, a business owner, don't you want to do that? I do want to save money and do better work. You're right. Yay. <sighs> Cronuts for everyone. <laughs> Oh my gosh. That was great. Because I really think being disengaged is like actually the most huge issue of our time. It literally is statistically based on Gallup's State of the American Workforce report. Because if you're disengaged at work, you're also, I think, I know in my case, I'm not engaged with my community. I'm like, what's the point of anything? I'm not. There's huge changes happening in the world and huge issues we all have to face. And I feel like being apathetic and turned off is not bad for all of those things. You know, one of the best things you could do, and maybe you could suggest this to your boss, is that you all go volunteer together. You know, one of my areas that I do is social impact, and so we are aligned to food insecurity, and so we go and volunteer at food banks. But figure out what the cause is for your company. Mm-hmm. The best thing to do, more than anything, is volunteering because you might be having a shitty day or manage your boss. But the minute you go and you see people who are facing real problems, you realize how privileged you are and how lucky you are. And it snaps you back into like, I'm grateful. Right. Mm. And you get to go somewhere different for a little bit. Yeah. And it feels <laughs> – and you get your mind off of whatever you're doing. It's a it's a physical task. It mm-hmm. has rewards. And you feel good and you want to do more of it. So perhaps you suggest that to your boss. Right. Oh, my God. I'm writing this down. She's writing it down. Are there any uh, key factors in particular that – Volunteer opportunity. I just was watching you write. Are there any key factors that actually keep people at jobs? Yes, um, there are several. People feeling like they can be their authentic selves at work, bringing their full selves to work and not having to hide who they are, their identity. That is one. So like out loud and proud. Yep. Out loud and proud. uh, Absolutely is one of them. Also feeling like like they can learn and develop and something, you know, learn something new. A lot of people haven't learned anything new in the past 30 days. Like if you think about your job, is there a new skill you've learned? Uh. Conference you've gone to, insight you had. 
you could just have another project. It doesn't have to be a promotion. It's like they're just looking for new ways to grow their skill set or get a stretch assignment or mm. something new. Right. The um, brain is like a hungry organ. Yes. Feed it, the brain, right? You could ask for a stretch assignment on something you've always wanted to learn. Uh-huh. Um, another one is feeling that your manager cares about you as a genuine person like we talked about. That is actually a big factor driving engagement. So, so some of those wow. are really key. Well, if you're a direct manager, let's say your direct manager is like, one of those product, not helpful people, you know, mm-hmm. is there anyone else? Do employees have rights? I mean, yeah. <laughs> is there anyone else you they can all, talk to? Nope. You just have to get what, what tells you. No, yeah, absolutely. You can. I think, you know, there's, I mean, I think we've all had bad bosses in our lives, right? Like every single one of us has had that. I mean, I have a number of coworkers in my department who left and it's literally just because their manager is bad. Yes. In fact, there's a saying in our world, which is people don't leave bad companies, they leave bad managers. And I do not think they had any of this wonderful knowledge that you were sharing. I don't think they felt like they could say, hey, I'm really not happy with the way that you communicate this. Can you? I think having that conversation is scary. And sometimes you just have to know that you can approach that conversation and have that conversation. And lots of times your manager might not even be aware that that's how you're feeling. So it's about creating that feedback. But yeah, employees absolutely should feel empowered to talk to their managers about how they're feeling, if they want more motivation, they can find mentors within the company. If they're, I think, absolutely right, if they're in an environment that has harassment and is not like a safe environment, that's what HR is there for. Mm -hmm. They're there to do that. I've never heard anything good about HR. Oh, no. Don't perpetuate that (laughs) meme. I mean, I come from HR, right? I'm a, I was, you know, I'm ex-marketer turned HR. I think what sucks about HR is HR gets the rap of like, you're the police, you know, like they're the fun police or they're Mm -hmm. HR. Like HR is just like us. Stars are just like us. Like they are just (laughs) normal. Probably some of the most potty mouth people I've ever met in my life. You know, they're really like a modern HR function. I think HR used to be like, we're here to protect the company. And that's part of what their job is, right? Mm -hmm. I I thought that's what their only job was. That's part of the job. Modern HR, and I think what we're seeing with people focusing on things like engagement, diversity, inclusion, learning and development, just keep adding on all the roles, right? That is to support people. It's to realize that people are one of the most, if not the most important factors at a company. Without people, you have no product creating it. You have nothing. And so there's a modern, yeah, they have nothing, right? So you're moving to a world where HR is there as like people team. You'll see HR teams now called the people team and they're there to support people because we're really complex as people. The world doesn't stop outside of what, you know, what's going on when you're coming inside. So identity, issues at home, all those things play a factor. And that's why people are investing more in inclusive workspaces and Mm. bringing your authentic self to work. Mm. That is so wonderful to hear because literally a person to me has said to me, when you go to work, you just leave all your shit at the door. And I'm I think like, that's a terrible, I sorry, I think that's a terrible idea. I'm, I don't, I'm not a robot. Like I cannot do that. Okay. This is a lot. I mean, it's great. And it's also very slightly overwhelming. If you were helping prepare someone to be brave and approach their manager and, or go around their manager or do whatever it is to deliver this feedback, do you have any practical advice as to how they can prepare themselves for that conversation. Absolutely. I think you can prepare by writing down, what do I want out of this conversation? What's my objective? What message do I want to get across? One of my favorite things is to identify the triggers of who you're having a conversation with. There's a great tool. It's called SCARF, the SCARF model, like a scarf around your neck. It's an mm. acronym. Oh, not SCARF like... Nom, 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 nom. No, no. <laughs> I guess it could be. I mean, whatever. It's, it could be that too. S stands for status. C stands for control. A stands for autonomy. R stands for relatedness. F stands for fairness. 
rank in your, if you're answering it from you, which is your biggest triggers? Rank them what is most important to you. What do you mean by trigger? So like for me, my biggest trigger is an F fairness. When things are unfair, I am lit up. It's, it's a trigger for me. I'm like, it is unfair. And I, you know, it's like, I might not react in the most favorable way. It, it kind of draws into the areas where I need to like have my own personal development. Righteous indignation. I might have to say, <laughs> I think I'm also an F. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> this is wrong. wrong. But some people are driven by status, let's say. And maybe when you give that kind of feedback, that affects their status and it's a trigger because you're kind of pulling away from their status. So you, so it's really good to look at what, how do I get triggered? Oh, I'm just going to say, so what are they again? Status, control, autonomy, autonomy, relatedness. Do we relate to one another? Do we have trust amongst each other? Do we have that kind of relationship? Can I relate to you? Do we know each other, right? Fairness. So identify what are your triggers going in the conversation so you can be fair to watch them when you see them happening. What are the triggers of the person you're going in to have the conversation with? And there's ways you can approach it. So again, if let's say status is the, the trigger of the person you're in the conversation with, you can be like, hey, I really enjoy, you can play the ego. I really enjoy working with you. I'd love to work through this with you. This is my objective for our conversation. Do you think we can get there? Mm, Know your audience. Know your audience and know their triggers and your triggers so you can keep the conversation productive. God, I am just blown away. Every time we ever talk about anything on this podcast, it's like, if you could like really practice this stuff, it would help every aspect of your life. Absolutely. And why I do this work and engagement, you know, and, and I mean, this is just like, again, things I've learned as a manager, a lot of what I'm sharing, but Helping people to feel connected, to create trust, to create safety. That's so much of why engagement matters because then you can go to this higher level that we're talking about, not to sound like a religious leader or anything, but it's like <laughs> like you can then have harder conversations. You can work through mm-hmm. hard challenges. It's the foundation of just any kind of productive work happening is helping people feel connected and that they can be their authentic selves to do better work and have conversations. Wow. Well, Marta, wow. Wow. as um, what's his name says, wow. Hauser? Wow. <laughs> yep. No. Um, I was thinking of uh, the brothers, Luke uh, Wilson. Grim. The brothers Grimm. Not Luke oh, Wilson. But oh, Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson. Wow. 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 I say, with, with all my heart, I say, wow, to I all mean, of this. Wow. <laughs> like that. Um, Marta, thank you so much for being here. Uh, thank you for I, having me. I, I will take you up on the offer of you giving Hannah some executive coaching because Hannah, this the work thing has to stop. <laughs> Um, if, like you, if I have to hear one more time. <laughs> no, no, no. But if you guys want to hear uh, Marta's very specific Hannah Gelb advice and hear how Marta helps Hannah Gelb work through some of these work-related issues or whatever we conclude, you can go ahead and head to patreon.com slash analyze this. And for the price of a cup of coffee, yes, just five, a really great cup of coffee, just $5 a month, it's probably a latte. Probably but, three quarters of a coffee if you bring your own mug. Yeah, there you go. Okay, great. So for $5 a month, you can become... <laughs> one of our good listeners. And for 15, you can be a great listener. But either way, head to patreon.com slash analyze this if you want to hear more. I cannot wait to see what you, Marta, could possibly do about this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank, thank you so much, Thank Marta. you. Bye.